You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McCuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, Wisdom from the Top, I talk with CEOs and business leaders about the toughest challenges of their careers. There's lots of ways to measure success. Sometimes a company has to bet against itself. We wanted to set ourselves apart by having a point of view. Businesses really impact people's lives in pretty fundamental ways. On Wisdom from the Top, some of the greatest business leaders of our time share their intimate stories of leadership, innovation, and transformation. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Check out Wisdom from the Top only on Luminary. Now, back to your show. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello again, Stuart Goldsmith here. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Today we are talking to a wonderful comedian, as, uh, as we always are, only wonderful comedians. Um, and uh, this episode, here's the fabulous Mark Mayer. I remember my first uh, memory of you, my abiding memory of you, is that the first time we met when we were on getting the flight to those Riviera gigs, um, we met at the airport, and you tickled me, you, know, you physically tickled me, uh, well before it was socially acceptable to do so. <laughs> we hadn't met each other. And I re- it really made me warm to you. Because you never know when you're going on a, on a sort of, you know, foreign travel gig yes. with other comics. If you haven't met them, you don't know necessarily whether you're going to get on. And we said hello, and we chatted and so forth. And then uh, as we were walking along, you, you kind of went, and just You know what? I, do, I think I do that a lot. I've had that. And what's interesting... Uh, and if it's the person I think it is who shall remain nameless because I wouldn't want to sully anyone's name I think I did I think I did that to a comedian who turned around and went don't you fucking touch me really what sorry what it's just what, you, you sort of understand um, some people don't like to be touched tickled <laughs> poked or prodded but is that but is, I, I think I honestly think it's a subliminal thing I wasn't at the airport going you know what I need to solidify my friendship <laughs> with Stuart is a little sort of cheeky tickle yeah it's a it's a subliminal thing and I, and I did I did get quite a, 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 a yes I'm sure you've been told off unless, I'm, unless I'm talking about a dreamer had tickling <laughs> I have these re- recurring dreams of tickling comedians no and I do and I still do I can think of that yes I, I'm quite maybe it's quite a tactile Yes, I liked it. I liked it. It did because I I liked it because it was totally inappropriate. And I remember thinking, "Oh, here we are. He's you're a funny person." But oh, really? Yeah. Well, not necessarily. I didn't think. Oh, this means he'll be great on stage. Right. But I thought to myself, "You are someone who." A little irreverent and left. Yes, a bit irreverent or a bit. Yeah, a bit kind of unable. You know, un. 
willing to necessarily be confined by the rules. Right. Someone I asked, I did a, I did a really nice interview for a, a, a podcast done by Izzy Lawrence and Simon Bond over the weekend. It's called The Sunday Supplement. And Simon asked me a question which I wish I had thought of. I'm crediting him because I'm not going to nick his question. But he said to me, do you feel like a comedian? And I'd quite like to pinch that and ask you that wholesale. Yes. But what, what I was thinking was, I, because my answer to that was, I, I, I definitely feel different. Mm. Do you feel different to other people? Like, you, there, there aren't a lot of middle-aged men walking through airports tickling people they've only just met. <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> Funny, that's actually sort of pseudo-topical at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Don't go there. Um, do I... So do I... F- what was... Sorry. Do you feel... Do um, you f- no, that's... I'm fixating on who I've tickled in the past. <laughs> it was a badly phrased question. Do you feel different because you're a comedian? Do you feel like that is your identity in the world? Or is it just a job that you do and actually... It's certainly not just a job that I do because I've always been interested in comedy, in comedy ideas, in, in funny stuff, whether watching it, performing it, doing it even at college when um, the young ones were huge mm. feeling the need to so this overriding desire and urge to be one of the young ones it was a, a sort of most <laughs> sort of painful yeah god thing. I think I, I felt have that to, I have yeah. to be one of the young ones mind you I also had that with Elvis I have yeah. to be Elvis he's dead I've got to you know so the, but, but that, you know that was less comedic I suppose um but no, certainly there was there was this desire to be in amongst it, to be in the thick of it, in, in that sort of world of comedy. But no, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say I'd, I feel different from you know I've got funny ideas and I enjoy being funny or mm. being amusing, hopefully. But not um, no, I wouldn't set myself an elitist kind of you know I'm I'm different from. Sure. The other people. You're not like a spirit walker. Yeah, exactly. who sees, I see jokes yeah. when you know <laughs> where, where other people see only walls and trees. Exactly. Okay. I mean, we're sat in what I can only describe as. I mean, it's basically a drawing room, isn't it? It might be your living room. I don't. We're in North London, and uh, it's a fairly alien world to me. There is a framed picture. It's a holographic picture of the Queen. Is it holographic? It is holographic. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds good. That's the only detail I'm willing to give. When you look around. Yes. Yeah. It seems to. Yeah. I mean, yes. this is. Um, yes, we're in the east wing of my... Yeah. <laughs> Stop it! I think what I'm trying to say yes. is, um, you are, you've obviously made comedy work. What I'm trying to say is my wife... You've taken me Rick's wife I can't route. possibly, possibly... Yeah, it's done all right. I've, yes, it's... it's, it's uh, yes, it's, it's done well. I wouldn't necessarily m- make the association between where I'm living and... Um, yeah. Okay. But uh, no, no, it's yeah. Okay, because I walked out the drive and I thought, God, he must do a lot of writing work. <laughs> <laughs> God, he must have another job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure, he is. Yes. I always thought, in terms of other jobs, I always thought um, if you could, when I was doing lots of lots and lots of driving gigs for very little money in the early days, I always thought if the other job that you could do was haulage, that'd be brilliant. Like comedy would be a great job for a truck driver. Because if you've got to go to Exeter and back, if you could also take 10,000 Barbie dolls, <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? You could yeah, do yeah, the gig yeah. and get paid doing yeah. it. <laughs> Two jobs for the price of one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Perfect. perfect. Yeah. So let's, let's uh, go back to the beginning then. Let's, let's start a bit more simply. Uh, why did you become a comedian and how? What was, your, what was the moment when well, you... Well, I suppose it's the whole seeing comedy and which you've probably, you know, it's probably a Stockholm answer I would have thought... Uh, from a lot of comics you see stuff and you have this sort of urge to to get involved in in Mm. comedy and my route was a bit not straight you know jumping straight into doing stand-up I worked in advertising I did a degree in 
advertising. Okay. And then became a copywriter. Mm-hmm. So I was writing ads, which then moved more specifically into radio ads, which I absolutely loved. And, and you, you came to that whilst presumably at the same time this was in the time when you were wanting to be in the young ones and wanting you know you yes. felt all that kind of I want to be part of but something I didn't know how to be part sure, of it that. felt didn't like it was a completely the, closed door exactly didn't have the tools uh, in order to, to, to do that exactly it was another world it was something else stand up wasn't that huge as it is now mm-hmm. so um, I found that this, the writing was an outlet and interesting enough when I look back on it now writing ads um is basically selling a product, mm. uh, writing stand-up is selling yourself, isn't it? I mean, sure. it's a, so it wasn't that far removed. So r- when I was writing these radio commercials, whether it be a 30-second ad or a 40-second ad, you suddenly had to be very concise, yes. as I'm not being now, yeah. uh, selling a product within 30 seconds. And then, uh, so there was a discipline there. I thought, well, this is quite interesting. During the day, I was doing this uh, uh, copy. By day, I was a copywriter, and by night, I started showing, you know, being interested in maybe doing an open spot here or there, and then writing stand up for myself. So, I, when I had free time, I worked at LBC Radio. When I had free time at LBC Radio, that I would then work on stand up ideas, but using the same disciplines as I would do for the copywriter. So, so you were, were you writing one liners then at the time? Writing short little bits, short okay. little observational bits, but trying thinking. Right, let's let's see if I can hone this down, make mm. get to the actual sort of meat of the. So, so when you were writing uh, adverts, when you were writing short sort of copy, what was your what was the the pattern then for what was the what was the system? They'd go, okay, here's a bottle of Glenfiddich, and we and the. I mean, how does the, how does the brief come to you? Yeah, well, basically that uh, the, these are the key points we want to get in. It's a uh, it's a fantastic drink. Um, uh, I don't know whatever else so, uh, a plug to the uh, you've got to mention the uh, where you can get this the, mm-hmm. the, the outlets you can get it blah blah blah, blah. so mm-hmm. these will be salient points uh, relevant points that you'd have to get into that ad but in amongst that let's create a little scenario a little scene a little Okay. Amusing um, pastiche of something or other. Okay. That you can... I mean, I think of copywriting as just the text of the advert, but you mean it's it's you come up with the whole concept of the. Well, for radio, I'm talking about specifically. Okay. For oh, radio. sure, sure. With with uh, press copy, you'd work with an art director. Mm-hmm. He'd come up with the image, or sometimes okay. you come up with the image, but invariably you come up with a headline, and. Um, you know the copy, and they come up with the image or whatever. Okay. So, okay. I mean, there was an. Ad- I worked in Edinburgh, and we was an advert for Scottish brewers, and they uh, their claim was that they never ever brought you a dud pint. They were, it, was a, it was the delivery side of Scottish brewers. Okay. So, um, I came up with an idea of the Scottish brewers truck with one of the f- uh, tires sort of let down on mm-hmm. a, on a, in the middle of the Highlands, and it was um, the, the headline was over forty thousand pints delivered in only one flat. Oh, nice. So okay, yeah, lovely, lovely. And the great thing about that was that they liked the ad, but also I got them to go on a sort of five-day shoot up to the Scottish Highlands and, no, let's, let's position the truck here, that, let's try the back timing, you know. Sure, sure, sure. So it was, you know, that, that was fun. It, what's nice there is it's a nice creative process that you can see the end of. You come up with an idea, it's a, so it's not that, I suppose it's not that far removed from writing a joke and then yes. performing it on stage and getting a laugh. You come up with an idea for an ad, you see it to its uh, in fruition. Mm-hmm. You see the printed thing in the paper. It all it all holds together. It all mm-hmm. you know looks. As as someone who was a, a fan of something as anarchic as the young ones, I don't know what other sort of comedy you were into at the time as well. I assume it's sort of a broad range. Um, specifically advertising. I think what I'm getting at is, I've always thought, oh, I'd probably be quite good at that. I think any comedian would probably be good at 
copywriting because as we yeah. said the parallels um i was totally indoctrinated by the bill hicks you know if you work in advertising you're dead to me that whole kind of uh, quasi political sort of thing like I've always been because I used to be a street performer it seemed to be noble in a way that probably doesn't marry with someone walking past you know a grotty circle show so with someone yeah. you know, juggling balls and you know whatever um, but it seemed to me to have an inherent nobility when you were doing copywriting did you feel like there was any dissonance between I'm trying to sell a product on behalf of someone else and your own artistic ideals I suppose it was a frustration in, in as much as there was no greater sort of worthy cause. I shouldn't be doing this as is immorally uh, reprehensible, morally reprehensible. I, um, I, 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 the frustration, I suppose, was why am I selling um, the great new nutty cheese? I could be <laughs> selling the great new nutty me. Yeah. Um, Oops. Yes, why am I selling the great new nutty cheese? I could be selling the great new nutty me. I mean, a, yeah. a, a, a hilarious line destroyed by the... Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. Plastic. I wondered, I was it going was, to say... It was almost like, no, that's it. No, yeah. I'm sorry. That was I'm going to heckle you via plastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so it was... Um, yeah, it was the frustration of not being able to sell myself. I've, I'm not... Fr- frustrations to too sort of bigger word I suppose but no it, uh, I've got to sell a product that's my job to sell products what I'm really interested in writing funny stuff not selling a product but writing funny stuff and mm-hmm. sort of talking about me or things that I find mm-hmm. funny so um, you know and I love Woody Allen I'm a huge fan of and I love that sort of economy of words and there's the there's classic Woody Allen the nightclub years CD which yes. is still yeah, holds yeah. the test of you know test of time yeah uh, I, I always brilliant. think it's a bit when he's in the hostage situation and they're saying, give us the girl, throw out the gun. Yeah. He's doing all those different variations I'll give on you that. the gun, I'll throw out the girl. Yeah. <laughs> give me the girl. <laughs> yes. Leave the girl. <laughs> yes. yes, that's right. Yeah, brilliant. Um, now, that and the moose sketch and all those uh, mm-hmm. brilliantly written, not a word wasted things mm. that I uh, just sort of really sort of... Um, Excited me, I suppose, and thought, mm. I, wanna, I want to do that kind of thing. So how did you bring yourself to stand-up when you started doing open spots at that time? What kind of thing, how, what kind of preparation were well, you doing? Were I suppose, you... I'm sli- slightly, it's slight, I've told you, slightly out of context. When I did the advertising, I then, a friend of mine got married in Los Angeles. I went over to America, and I had dual nationality, as they say. Okay. Dual nationality, so I could work over there. My mum's American, so I could work in America okay. without the whole rigmarole of passports and visa thing and this and that and the next so uh, I got a job in advertising over there mm-hmm. and carried on working as a copywriter and, and writing radio ads which was great and place where I worked was a guy called Dick Orkin okay. Dick Orkin's Radio Ranch in Los Angeles and okay. I worked in Hollywood and Los Angeles writing radio ads sitting around a table with other writers writing radio commercials which is probably okay. a bit not that dissimilar to writing sit- how they did sitcoms sure or maybe still do sitcoms, six or seven writers would sit around and come up with ideas for radio ads and then then the best ideas would be pitched forward to the... Yeah. To the so I, st- I was doing that and then it was more, you know, stand-up was quite interesting and sort of buzzy over there and uh, uh, as was impro and I started doing improvised comedy over there. Okay. And being British at that time, we're talking about 140 years that ago. That must have been a no, superpower. It was, it was, <laughs> it, was it was. I mean, they, uh, we're, uh, I'm talking about 25 years ago now, yeah, so yeah. I'm doing it a long while, Stuart. Yeah. A long while. Um, 
was great was being British at that time and doing stand up or improv. So I, I, I started to cultivate a little stand. I did improv and that went well and started doing stand up and it, in a way, it was a sort of a false beginning because you know it was the classic. Oh my, say that again. I love the way he uh, said sure, garage. Sure, and, sure. So you weren't really doing the joke, but garage he said garage it's like garage is that the you know so that they would be sidetracked with that so you were getting kind of false positives of your yes, ability but, but, <laughs> but in terms of ego and, and, yeah. and boost and confidence building it was tremendous so sure. I was playing um, the improv the comedy store in Los Angeles and uh, place, um, other other various venues that are hopefully still around um, and that was tremendous so I did that for uh, a year and a half or a year and a half and then I came back from America to London and so almost had to start again mm-hmm. because suddenly <laughs> suddenly the word garage isn't funny yeah. anymore well, you, yeah you're English mate yeah but look at the way I say it. you say it the same as yeah. same as we do what's what's funny about that uh, no so it was the, the, the whole I had the tools I suppose the very sort of the um, the tools of the trade in terms of learning mic technique and, and, and all mm-hmm. that and, and confidence with the, with an audience but material was starting from scratch which was kind of interesting and then I but I carried on doing the improv stuff here as well okay so um, and when you were doing what what sort of improv stuff are we talking about we talking about you were doing like improv games like the sort of yes who's uh, lies in who's anyway like style things yeah okay. yeah so I did that and I taught that and ran ran stuff doing that uh, pretty much every week uh, in okay. Camden Okay, um, and that was great fun. Thoroughly enjoyed that, and that actually really helped um, this, uh, the stand-up. But you know, being yeah. loose on stage and yeah. emceeing, and that, that's something Sarah Pascoe said, which is she she's confident that if she keeps talking for long enough, she'll find a funny end to whatever sentence she's saying. Right, because you because you know what I mean. Which is useful in that that's not how she would do her stand-up, but in the creation of the stand-up. The, I think she was saying her her improv background gives her the tools to take more risks and consequently come up with better stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you were teaching stand-up in London? Yes. No, you were, te- were you teaching improv or you were teaching stand-up? Uh, teaching improv. Okay. Teaching improv. And in what kind of a format was that? Was that like a once a week to some dudes how did you how did they know about uh, I advertised in places like the stage okay. and, 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 and around these workshops in uh, Camden at the same time as you were an open spot on the stand up set um, yes yeah okay yeah so but the improv I felt more confident with because it's so structured and disciplined in America I took those disciplines and so I'd introduced different games and stuff and, okay. and to the improv and then um, people would come along sign up pay me uh, to do workshops so there's inherent uh, sort of pressure on me so we do yeah. a, a workshop for an hour and then we do a show we'd go literally go into the street and go five pound or three pound or just a pound whatever you want to pay come yeah. and see us and you know whore ourselves to get great, to come great. and see got, okay. and then we just do what we'd what we'd been rehearsing um Catherine Tate who is a good good mate mm-hmm. um was one of the people who came along to the workshop mm-hmm. so I was sort of teaching her um Improv and Ella Kenyon uh, and and various other actors and actresses um, okay. who you know I had to let go because they were holding back my career. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, and that was great. No, it was really a really fun. And I would I would in a shot I'd go back to doing that. I mean I, I occasionally do stuff with the comedy store players. You know Paul Merton. Oh and yes, Johnson, yeah, and that's yeah. brilliant. Those shows are I feel, I feel yeah. you know a real newbie with that because they they are the the. the they're, they're, they're so slick and so f- and you, mm-hmm. it's like anything you keep doing it they mm-hmm. do it every you know Sunday and Wednesday and you, you, you get really really good at it it's almost um, there's a 
psychic kind of thing going yeah. on there, the, the preemptive thing that you, you... I've got to do more improv because I think improv, all the improvisers I've met are so happy. <laughs> They're happy people. And I think, uh, well, tell me what you think, what you think of this. Is, does this make sense as a hypothesis? Um, that you, when you are an improviser, you have a sort of a self-reliance because you know you can do the thing. Like, I always think, and this is something that becomes an increasing theme of my podcast, I'm very kind of angst-ridden about yeah. comedy a lot of the time, I think. And uh, I feel a perpetual sense that I'm only getting away with it. Right. You know, I got away with this gig. I got away with the last gig. I've got away with hundreds and hundreds of gigs, but I always think I'm getting away with them. But whenever I speak to improvisers, I think of you, I think of Sarah Pascoe, Rob Broderick as well, who performs mm. as a band man. Um, there seems to be like an internal well of confidence that's based on the fact that you can be thrown into a room with nothing and come up with something. I think, well, it goes back to what we talked about initially about being a funny person or mm. do you feel funny or is it slightly manufactured? If I can go on stage and improvise and be loose, and I think it's true of you, me, anybody, if you can play play the room, which does require a certain amount of improvisational skills, because if you're purely and strictly a writer who just mm. goes out and performs what he has written, he or she has written, then that's a different sort of discipline and it works brilliantly. And, mm. you know, you could name millions of comedians that do that. For me, I like to try and do something with the room, play mm. the room. I listened to Alan Davis' um, mm -hmm. podcast and, and he was... I remember when I was starting out, just watching him, being amazed at how effortless and, and, and brilliant he was at doing that. And you suddenly feel like... I suppose the improvisational skill is you suddenly feel like you're not just knocking out the same opening line, however casual and relaxed yes. you might be, yes. night after night. I, as an audience member, feel this is something quite special because you're actually... You couldn't possibly have been written that joke about that funny yes. lampshade yes. above the stage or the... The, the the bloke with the strange cough that everybody's noticed three sure, rows back sure. so there's something more I suppose organic and more uh, you know sort of more relevant um. I think the trap I fall into is I uh, and, but, and, and it can be it's not necessarily a trap but uh, I write things in advance right. rather than bringing myself to it like, I, like when I used to compare I don't compare so much anymore someone gave me a piece of advice I forget who oh, stop um, comparing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you should walk on with nothing in your head and completely react to what goes on and I try and do that sometimes yeah um, other times if there is something funny I can think of to say about the room like I did a gig in Tunbridge recently which was had this weird little barn structure of a stage a little wooden stage inside it and there were three cables wrapped up at the back of it right. and I walked in and I said oh look it's like a nativity telling the birth of Christ through the medium of cables and it was, it was <laughs> ludicrous it was quite funny yes. but I thought of it beforehand I'd sort of a couple of five minutes before I'd gone on I thought what can I say about this it looks a bit like a barn blah, blah. Yeah. and I'd written that joke I mean are you talking about walking on stage with nothing and improvising no, how I mean, pure is that moment so, of sometimes doing that and some what you've just described mm -hmm. um, and sometimes yes going on and um, uh, purely improvising funny on the wire theme there's, at the Manchester Comedy Store they've got very thick wires that drape at the back at the back of the stage which I've if I'm feeling in the mood to sort of mess around about, I suppose. Yeah. The, the, remember, the, as a kid, those long licorice shoelace things. Yes. They look very much yes. like that. <laughs> now, on one night, I can go out and go... Because I'm feeling... You know when you feel the funny? You go out and you can be talking about... 
uh, you know, talking about anything, improvising about anything, and, and, and I could mention the Victor Shoelace thing, and they go, oh yeah, we know what you say, yeah, we remember. Mm-hmm. There can be other nights, for whatever reason, the way in which you say it, the order, the order in which you say it, however improvised it may look, they may turn around and go, I don't know, we want about, I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't really mm-hmm. get, get where you're coming from. I think it's the skill of, I suppose, if you are imp- truly improvising, mm. sticking with what you've done. Let's say you did that thing at Tunbridge yeah. Wells and they didn't go with it. Where do you go? You can't suddenly go, well, the, the, uh, uh, well I, 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 thought it was, I thought it was quite funny. Or yeah. As soon as they, those little chinks of insecurity, then they're upon, uh, on you like a pack of wolves yeah. on, in terms of, yeah. right, well, well, so then, well you're so, not that funny. Is, is that it? Is, that, yeah. is this what you do? Why did you think that would be funny? That yes, proves yes. you're an idiot. And we're yes, yeah. Like, Whereas yeah. Some, I think someone like Eddie Izzard would do that, or possibly even Ross Noble would, yeah. do, would do that observation, possibly get nothing, but go, I'm going to stick in with this, and, and create a whole... And start acting you know, out the nativity with Exactly, cables, yeah. with, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Jesus being brought to life through uh, electric cables, or whatever, you sure. know, or the... You know, the Things that would that they would occur to them there and then, and and keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Mm. I mean, that, that, that mm. that's the kind of you know, I suppose, improvisation I I enjoy watching. That. A lot of the the tension for me in whether or not to improvise, and I really enjoy it. But I I feel like I feel like at the moment my development as a comic is about taking away blocks rather than adding things. It's about taking away obstacles, which I think is an improv-y sort of mm. thing to say. I understand that's one of the sort of principles. Um, and um, I, I find it easier to do that if I don't care about the gig, if I don't, if it doesn't matter to me financially or in terms of reputation, or if it's this was a lovely little this Tunbridge Wells gig. It was I cared about it, but there was only seven people in the audience. It was right. sort of like you, you know, you sometimes you approach a gig and go, well, this is already a disaster, so I can do what I want. And sometimes you have an incredible night of it because yeah. you have that just complete freedom. If you're doing a twenty at the Comedy Store in London you might not have give yourself that freedom to improvise. Do you see, do you see what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. Like maybe it's to do with giving oneself the freedom when it really matters as much as one would give oneself the freedom when it doesn't. Exactly. Do, I, do, and do I, you think, yes, does that I, play a part in it I, for you? Yes. And I'm trying and I still try. I know, I know what you, exactly what you mean. Um, I'd like to say I don't know what you mean when you say gigs you don't care about as much yeah as I mean should. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, don't care yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. for the promoters that are listening to this <laughs> every gig is special I care about your gig do you want to yeah. drive to Truro f- for petrol money <laughs> <laughs> insert name we'll be there to see you um, uh, I, I, I'm trying to go on with that attitude of I am I, I'm so pleased to be here yes irrespective of where that is and that then gives you I think you the, the, uh, that then gives you the boost to uh, uh, the impetus to then be free and, and, and yes. enjoy yourselves and muck around I have I did a gig recently I think it was, it was Hastings and drove God knows how long it took. And anyway, it was, you know, one of those road diversions. Even the sat-nav is sort of giving up, <laughs> up and just turning itself off. And I got there and there was uh, the front two rows were busy in this beautiful old theatre, but no one else was there. And the first mm. act went on and, and, and played the gig, exactly what I was talking about before. Mm. Great lines, great material, but there was no connection. Mm. And I felt going on, uh, well, I had the benefit of going on, you know, the, the, the second spot. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of, of being a bit looser, but also acknowledging the fact that there was only two rows 
yes. full, but I know you lot are here, and we, you know, to, to, to for a great night. You know, mm. you're not responsible for bringing your mates or whatever, playing the room, playing the mm. occasion, and and making them feel like this isn't just something. You're not trotting out the same stuff that you were doing yes. in Cardiff last week or in week before. That is a real intangible quality, I think, of watching pros, like seasoned pros. You know, like proper people who could headline the store proper proper season pros I've always I'm only really now just articulating that I think that when you see someone like when you watch Bob Mills mm. do you know what I mean and Bob just walks on and just carries with him this absolute comfort of being there and this and he's always seemed to me as well to understand and I think it's the same thing we're talking about he understands the ridiculousness of it all and he understands all of the things that an audience might be thinking about seeing him there yeah, and I, I think you're right. It's the, well, it, it, it's an, it, 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 I suppose you know you, you, you're sitting. Let's say you're an and I sometimes try to, to sort of existentialist act of putting myself in the audience, watching me. What do I want to yes. see? I yes. don't want. I don't want to be sitting amongst fifteen people and seeing somebody come on stage going, "Girls, make some noise!" Yeah, yeah of course. Boys, of course. make <laughs> why? Why? Why do I have to make some noise? I'm here yeah. to see. Come yeah. on, no, girls, make some. Yeah, can yeah. the boys? The DJ yeah, voice. You know, just stop, stop that. Just mm. I'd rather you come and go. It's a bit, <sighs> bit quiet. Sorry, you know. I've got a bit of material now, which uh, about um, being British is a bit like lying in bed in the middle of the night needing a wee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not getting up. I'm not. Uh... So if it, if if it's a, if it's a buzzy happening sort of lively audience I can say you lot are great because quite often I find that a British audience isn't like this they can be a bit like that middle of the night needing a wee and mm. if it is a quiet audience look I understand and it's not where we're coming from because you represent what it's like to you know so I can I yeah. can contrive that bit of stuff which mm. looks semi-improvised because I'm talking mm. about them not you mm. know um and it, and it seems and it seems to work, but what it's doing is acknowledging the room, acknowledging the space that you're in, and yes, and you know, yes, and there, but there's there's something there's a really sort of intangible quality of when you know that someone has experience. Like one of the a nice compliment I was often paid in the early days of my stand up career, which I think was to do with the fact I had so many years of experience on the street. I feel comfortable performing. And I said, like an early review I've got said, as soon as this guy walks on stage, you relax and you think, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be fine. So that was kind of level one of the thing because I was walking on thinking, I'm happy to be here. But all the way at level infinity, wherever it is, is this, is a thing that I definitely saw you do when we, when we gig together on those, on those Riviera gigs where you just, I don't know what it is. Like the nearest thing to it is that, that sense of walking on and going, like, do you know what I mean? Just raising right. your eyebrows, going like, here, here we all are. That that sort of sense of acceptance of this is the thing. I don't really know what I'm asking anymore. Well, I, I sort of see, yes. <clears throat> uh, um, I sort of... I, I, um, uh, I'd like to think, yes, that I, I, I do have that in me, in me armoury to be able to do that. Um, and maybe, but, maybe but, to have that in your armoury, you need to A, know that you're funny and that you can start being funny any second. B, have a load of material. It's almost that thing, like Alan was saying, having a load of material that you're not starting to do yet. Yes. Like the yeah. knowledge that you've yeah. got all that well, stuff. Well, it's interesting. I remember seeing him at the, it was the Dominion Theatre, I think. He running around the stage, Alan Davis, just running around, going, hey, whoa, just running back. And me sitting in the in this theatre, what, what's why is he doing this? It's slightly <laughs> awkward. Why is he... And then it just being brilliantly funny, the fact, the mm. relentless... Oh, I'm out of breath now. Oh, 
Woohoo! Yeah! Woohoo! Yeah. Oh, look at that. I've covered loads of ground here. It's an enormous stage. Woohoo! <laughs> and just running back and forwards, just running. That's what he was doing. Like, you know, they're sort of childlike enthusiasm, and that was great. I mean, and that was. And I felt he was doing it that night on that stage for one night only. It wasn't yeah. the Alan Davis run around the stage thing. And sure enough, I saw him somewhere else to do something completely different. Sure. And, um, playing, playing that space. It's also having the confidence when those things don't work. Well, I'm talking about me mm. doing, you know, um, British audience or whatever, or talking about mm. funny light fitting. And I'm going, sorry, where, where's the joke? And I, 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 I tape all my stuff now. That's a, something that I've only started doing the last couple of years, but I tape every gig and then cringe and listen back to it. Do you listen make to every yeah, gig? Yeah, yeah. Very I'm, good, very I good. I make well notes done. on what I, especially when I'm trying out new bits. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if it's been a particularly cringy, big, I'll, a cringy gig, I'll listen back to it and fast forward. So I don't have, <laughs> I don't have, I have 10 minutes of agony, not 20, so double time. Um, yeah. but yes, yes, we all remember this, carry on. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hey, hey, yes, exactly. Get off. Um, what was I talking about? Yeah, so uh, I don't know what I was talking about. That's okay. We can we can edit. We can edit. We'll chuck a sting in here. So this is a lovely little interview with one of uh, the very few comics with whom I really wouldn't mind being trapped in a lift. Uh, I've been a big fan of Mark's work since we first met. Uh, he's got real. He's very, very funny, but he's also, he's got real natural comedy chops. He's obviously a very funny, silly bloke, but he also carries that experience of all of his years on the circuit. And uh, he's just he's just a joy to watch and to hang out with. Um, we're going to talk about improvisation, uh, Mark's origins in impro and how it pertains to stand-up. Uh, we're going to go into some detail on Mark's process as ever. There's some good ideas for collaboration, which I keep meaning to get around to doing myself. Um, there's the joy of, of gigs that you let yourself off the hook to have to impress at uh, and how that can actually help your performance and uh, the benefits of taping oneself and actually bothering to listen back to it. And also Mark's going to be telling us how he copes with uh, with being such a seasoned actor himself with the horror of people less experienced uh, than you soaring ahead of you. In Mark's case, the answer to that is he copes very well indeed. Um, so a real joy to speak to someone so upbeat and positive. Um, thank you all for tweeting in support of the show. It's been lovely to see people thanking each other on, on Twitter for recommending it. Um, it's at ComComPod if you want to get in touch. Also info at ComediansComedian.com or you can join the Facebook group. Um, keep the new hack coming in comedianscomedian.com backslash new hack you can also look at backslash blog for details of uh, all my comedy guests links to their web pages um, and I've also had an idea for a Comedians Comedian web app haven't we all haven't we all had an idea for an app um, but if you're someone with experience of commercial app development and you fancy a little five minute chat if you'd let me pick your brains about something that could make us both a lot of money not likely um, then do get in touch on one of those uh, in one of those ways now Back to Mark Mayer. The purpose, I suppose it's a slightly different subject, but the purpose of taping, which I found really sort of mm. helpful now, is if I'm changing bits or trying out new bits of material, um, you know, I'm sort of stating the obvious, I suppose, listening back and seeing where the laughs are, and then mm. I'll sit with my laptop and, and pause and edit on, you know, I'll write, I'll literally write everything out, my routines out longhand. As okay, a, as okay. okay, yeah, let's have a, let's have a look at some of these. I've asked world of, well, I'm not going to read anything out, but I mean, uh, an idea I'm working on at the moment is about my, my middle child, uh, Sasha, who's five, uh, talking about her reading. 
and, and, and teach it. She's very proud of her reading, but she does this thing at school about sounding it out, which is what they, yes, they have yeah, to sound okay. out every yeah. single letter. And I, you know, so I've got a story about me wanting to go and watch the football with my friends. And my wife's saying, you've got to spend some time with Sasha doing her sounding it out. So she, the, you know, And the whole process of her uh, literally reading out every single the, at, her, cats, at. Her. So we get yeah. the whole story. This is the first slight sort of, I suppose, de- not de- departure sounds too um, dramatic, but uh, this routine isn't jam-packed with points where I, I want to laugh here, I want to laugh there. It's more okay. of a story, and it doesn't, and I've done it a few times, and it's a good thing to listen back to on my tape because it builds to the end of the story, which is basically here saying that reading the story, the cat's out on the mat. The next paragraph, and I say, you know, I get a text from my friends halfway through, oh, where are you? You know, they're, they're in the pub, and I text back, in living hell. Yeah. And, they, and, and I'm then reading back. Uh, then she reads the next part of the story, the cat got off the mat. But her little bit of evilness is when she gets to the word mat, she doesn't say mat, she says mot. And I'm convinced she's doing this just to detain me from going to see <laughs> Okay. So and I would say, why are you saying mat? And I lose my temper. Now, it's quite a delicate thing because... It, delicate in, in the ter- in terms of how I deliver this because I don't want to come across and the audience don't want to see you as some sort of uh, I'm mm. not like that. My, my person on stage is not of a monster dad mm-hmm. who, you know whose daughter drives him to distraction mm-hmm. there is an element of that but I know it's very you've got to be very careful of the, the way in which you word it and, and, and you know and, and, and in, in, in if I'm talking in terms of truth, the truth of the story is I wouldn't text back, I'm in living hell. I would just mm-hmm. go, you know, I don't know where I am anymore. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, or, uh, I'll be another hour. Or... Sure. So it's finding sure. those moments of truth and also, I think, informing an audience of exactly what kind of a person you are. And that should be consistent from the... And that's the other thing I'm sort of trying to, after doing this for 25 years, trying to be consistent from the beginning of my set to the end, whether it be 20 minutes, 40 or an hour, so even if there are gags in there that are great gags, but are maybe a bit cruel, I think that that stays with an audience. I think they go, oh, it's like having a conversation. Thing, yes, having a conversation with somebody in a pub and, and mentioning something early on that is a bit bit dark. Yeah. No matter how nice and sweet you are, there's always that residual thing in the back yes. of the mind going, oh, that guy's a bit of a twat. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I've... Um, there's a joke I, There's a joke about... Maybe, I, maybe I'm being too analytical about them. There's a joke that works very well and has worked well about Jake. Um, everything, he's seven, Jake, mm-hmm. and everything is an accident. He runs around, mm-hmm. everything is an accident. Everything, even before being accused, it was an accident. So the, we had the football through the TV room window incident recently. Okay. And, he's, and he's crying. It was an accident. It was an accident. I said, no, Jake, you were in goal. I was taking a penalty. <laughs> it's a lack of concentration. Now, not the greatest gag in the world, but I think, and, I, and I've, I'm trying... And I am actually stopping to do that gag now because it's not... I don't think it, it's not very nice. What the subtext sure, of that is, is sure. you're a bit nasty to your son. Yes, yes, OK. So do you see what I'm saying? So I'm uh, in the process of me taping and listening and hearing, you know, nice, good, solid, rounded laughs and then suddenly getting to that mm. joke, which gets a lot, but a different sort of laugh. Yes. Maybe a more blokey sort of laugh. Sure. I'll go, right, actually, you know, do I need to do that? Let's be ruthless here. Let's take that out and let's yeah. see what shape the, the set has now got. Sure. So, I mean, it sounds like that that analytical, you're afforded that analytical process by the fact that you, you do write very specifically. You're writing on a laptop, you're writing longhand, yeah. you write out the whole routine. Yeah. So you have somewhere, all of your material, somewhere you've got it written down on a, a hard drive or something or on a piece of paper, written out word for word. Yes, yeah. That 
I, I have tried doing that and I find that I often get waylaid by doing that into endless cutting and pasting and rejigging and right. stuff like that and I come away not having really worked well it's learning it and the then time. unlearning it learning it and then okay. improvising around it and being loose with it but still keeping those key words and those key sentences in because if it's too learned and too scripted and sure. I think an audience can feel and have you, that have you always written stand up in that way is that something that's happened over I think so yeah probably from the copywriting the sure. copywriting days so sure. it is taking I enjoy the process of editing and taking out sentences here and there and, yes. and, and tightening things up that's nice that's nice to hear because I quite enjoy it as well and I, I think I've convinced thing. myself over the years that I, that's not proper writing and you've just got to you've got to come up with you've got to write three funny words or a funny concept and then improvise this funny concept actually maybe I am more of a sit down typing well the pleasure of, uh, of writing and having yeah. a, a, on, on your laptop going on a page but then one extra line going on to the second page and going I want to print this out, but what a paste of paper for the second. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's see if I can edit it to make it all shoot up onto one page. Brilliant! Brilliant. But to me, that's just select all yeah. font 11. There yeah, we go. No, well, that's, that's cheating. You're saying you're all slightly smaller. Yeah, yes. yeah. Whisper, I'm going to whisper yes, this exactly. bit to fit it on the page. Or a bit faster, yes. Okay. The audience not laughing, but you're going, I've fitted this all onto one page. <laughs> so, so in terms of your process then, are you, do you take notes on a, on a note-taking app? When you're when you're out and about, do you make notes and write things down? I scribble or? things down as I'm as I'm okay. driving to the gig. I think right, what what order do I want the set? In no, I mean I mean sorry, not, oh, sorry, not in terms of ordering a set. I mean in in coming up with the the clay, the raw material for writing a new bit. Are you like a note taker, or what's the in terms of a new like the the thing with uh, t- uh, going through Ella sounding it out, going through the, right, yes. the writing, uh, the reading rather. Um, where did that first start? Did you find yourself doing it and think, oh, this is funny, make a note of that, and then come back to that on a Monday morning when you're writing? Or is I think it I, you... I thought of it as a funny idea, possibly a funny idea, then did a gig at a couple of school gigs and told it, and I thought, well, I wonder if this is just um, relevant to parents sure. uh, who can identify, and then tried it at gig gigs. And, okay. and it seemed to, so it's so the, process, the, the genesis said, of the process, the genesis of that joke is that you say a funny idea at a gig before you then yeah, sit down I'd and say, expand it and write uh, it. Yes, I po- it possibly is a throwaway line. You know, um, I've had a bit of, you know, okay. slightly frustrating day. I've, I've, I've spent half the day doing, doing you know, three sentences with my daughter who's got us, we all know about the sounding it out. And I'm like, that, that might sure, be it. And they'll sure. go, Get a chuckle and go. Well, there, there could be something here. So mm-hmm. let's have a look at explore the whole sounding it out sure. thing. Let's see I th- if I can really. I think a mistake I often make is to start off at the desk writing right. when I don't know if my idea is funny yet. It's tickled me, but I've never well, seen. There's it no harm in that at all. There's no. A, there's a very good book. I don't know if you've seen the book about writing stand-up. Sally Holloway. Yes. Yes, it's I have. I, yeah, I and think that it's goes to the book, grassroots yeah. of how to write and how to mm-hmm. develop ideas and joke webs and stuff, which I think is brilliant and yes. it's good to, to remind yourself of, of that. So, do you ever so do anything like I, that? I, I tried that. Yes, I, like that. I have. A, I have a little writing, which uh, a, a little writing workshop, which I do with a couple of other comics. What um, we try to do it once a week, and we get together and do things Tell like. Tell me that. about that. That's something I've considered doing. It's just great. To, it's just great. to not feel so mental and isolated all the time. No, yeah. it's nice. Who do you do that with? Mike Gunn and Angie. McAvoy we got okay. together so it's got three very different sort of styles so sure. after chatting drinking cups of tea and coffee and uh, eating for you know a good three hours we'll squeeze in half an hour. no no we do we, we're pretty disciplined with it so we'll meet okay. and we'll, we'll all come with ideas and have sort of ten minutes each on those ideas and then to, um, to say them to the other two and kind of say yeah so talk me through that. that's fascinating explain to me so the, we'll sit the, down the well, I've, yeah. got, I've got this stuff on bloody blah on, uh-huh. on my daughter reading and read it out and, 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 and then they'll 
give input or feedback or mm. oh I like that bit or oh, that bit doesn't work out that doesn't resonate with me or, yeah well uh, you know the story's too long why don't you edit this and then somebody else will uh, mm-hmm. have, have a bash at something that they've been working on okay um, and we'll go around like that or we'll say uh, uh, dis- a great a great thing that I um, discipline that I used to I used to teach a little bit of writing stand-up a long, long while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a post sort of copywriting days. Um, I was just into the whole process of writing and learned various techniques. One of which is to sit and write, have an idea, have an opening sentence. I, you know, I really hate, uh, I really hate going to the cinema alone because, mm-hmm. and then sit and write for two minutes without taking the pen off the paper. And you know, the old-fashioned days of writing before mm-hmm. these technological things. Yes, then you could have now. Be so, yes. don't remove your keys from yes, the keyboard, exactly. your fingers yeah. from the keys. So just write, write, write for two minutes without. Even if you, if your brain seizes up, you got to write the same word over and over again. Just keep doing that, and then look at the. Um, comedy gold that you've created or not but we do that the three of us and then read it out to the other two so we'd give each other a, an opening oh, sentence and then read it out and, and you might get one line that would come out of it or you might, okay. or you might not but okay. it keeps it gets the whole so it's quite that sounds like quite a disciplined it's not just a cup of tea and a chat about no. ideas you actually yeah. you're, well, you're yeah, because we're all yeah. coming from the same place that we all want to come up with new stuff and new mm. routines and uh, new ideas um, yeah, so I think it's it's yeah it's it's good it's good it's a good uh, it's a good discipline because let's, I can't work at home. I, if I if I sit at home, I'll mess around on the computer or find plenty of mm-hmm. really. Like, oh, let's look let's look at me Sky Planner. What haven't? Oh yeah, uh, that documentary about Queen that I recorded five years. Let's watch that rather yeah, than getting sure. to work. It's pathetic. So I'll go to the library near. There's a library in Crouch End. I'll go there and sit mm-hmm. there. And then funny if there's a few other comics sitting about amongst the students. Places um, probably with comics. I think. And it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. Sit there with a laptop, and I'm, it's like being at school. And, I've, and I'll say right. I'll, you know, uh, see see what I can come up with. Listen mm. to the tape, and, and, and I'm away. I, I'm away from home, and um, can do that. And how often? How many times a week would you do that? What, do that your, once, what does your writing week look like? Probably do that once a year, <laughs> <laughs> if that. To be honest, um, and uh, no, I, I I try and do that. Um, I try and do that two or three times a week. Okay, and there's no there's no excuse not to. Sure. I tell myself. Sure. Um, I try and what, what are your hours out of interest when you go and do that? You're going to come and check out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. No, Where no, is I mean, I mean yeah, do no. you do? Do you get up and go right? I'll do nine till twelve, or or how long are you? Doing? I try. Yes, exactly that. Uh, well, I, I take the kids to school, um, yeah. and then uh, get myself down to Crouch End, and uh, I'm there. Yes, I'd say nine till twelve. Uh, meet up with people for lunch various mm. other comics have a bit of lunch and then maybe post lunch you have that fatigue you know at my age I just want, to, yeah, yeah. want a bit of a lie down. But, yeah. but you feel um, it feels good it's a good it's a good thing to do um, I used to write radio uh, well, I still occasionally do a, a lot of stuff for Radio 4 um, little comedy plays and dramas and stuff uh, um, not plays uh, what do you call them comedy sitcom ideas yeah, okay. I can't think of the right word comedy drama stuff um, and I used the library to do that do that the library had a mm. uh, uh, you know the discipline because you have to you've got to work to a deadline mm. um, so I used the you know get away from it all and sit and and do, the, yes, do that this chapter there. will be called getting out of the house yes, is, exactly. yeah, yeah it's an exactly. important thing to be able to do so uh, you know it's great it's great to, to be able to do that to be allowed to do that by the wife and kids.
tell me about the Jewish shows you were mentioning doing. There's not a Jewish circuit. There's not as there's a such hand, a handful of Jewish comedians, and I mm-hmm. I don't talk about it in. There's no there's no uh, deep seated, uh, deep rooted reason why I don't talk about it. Other than it's not a, a huge part of my. Mm-hmm. Life, in as much as you know, having to get loads of Jewish material, talk about it in, in my normal, in sure. my normal set. But there is a circuit, not a circuit, but there are, you know, there are Jewish gigs, charity dues here and there. Okay. We have a Jewish Christmas show that we do every year. Mm. I was I was booked for a for a Jewish gig for the uh, the Order of David Society, and I had to go because I've got the surname Goldsmith, and I'm not Jewish. And uh, I did have to sort of say at the beginning, you you do know, don't you? Yes. <laughs> you know, you've booked me to do this thing. I'm no idea. I mean, I'm just going to do a gig. But um, do you? Is there a? Is I've there got, the I've, assumption that you'll do a certain sort of material? Yes, absolutely. And I've right. got stuff. I've got probably two hours of really? stuff. That and it's interesting because with it, and I did a show last night. Um, okay. Up in Highgate, uh, uh, Jewish audience and. The, the, there's uh, you, you're at one with the audience much more so than doing a gig let's say in the West End where the, there's all manner of walks of life different mm-hmm. religion races uh, age groups and what have you with a, the, the Jewish demographic in terms of an audience is much more um, is a smaller demographic I suppose mm-hmm. in as much as you've got 25 mid 20s to um, you know 60 year olds mm-hmm. sort of um yeah, um, not not particularly religious, but enough know enough about as I do about Jewish traditions that you can I can talk about certain subjects, whether it be this program, the Jewish Mother of the Year thing, that yeah. every Jewish person in that audience last night would have seen it or certainly know about it. Sure. So there's an immediate um, contact. Sure. You know, you're not searching, and and so in a sense, with Jewish with the Jewish shows, I found them easier to uh, to write. Uh, okay. Because there's been, you know, um, you know, uh, good evening. How are you? You know, I'll go on. I used to do this. You know, there's a pretty much guaranteed line to work at the start. Mm-hmm. Start of Good evening. How are you? Can I just point out that's a rhetorical question? As with an non-Jewish audience, to say, yeah, fine. You lot are analysing. I'm uh, hands are going up in the audience. <laughs> I said a show can, you know, overrun by three or four hours. I haven't even got to the first joke. <laughs> I've got a bad back. I've got a bad. I said, obviously, a Jewish person would never say they've got a bad back. You'd know the specific medical terminology. I've got spondylosis of the vertebrae. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for it. Do you ask? He asks. You don't care. So th- that works. They all go, yes, if they're not like they know somebody that's like yes, that. Yes, okay, okay. Um, so that kind of um, shtick, to use a Jewish uh, expression. And it's quite interesting. I went to see, uh, see Jackie Mason. Uh, oh, yeah. How times. did you find that? Well, it's, he does stuff. He he does a very clever thing um, that he I think he does material that uh, is targeted at a Jewish audience, but is so generic. But he says, Jewish people do this, Jewish people do that. And uh, because it is 95% Jewish audience in there, they'll go, this is true. They don't know that this is a generic... Uh, I'll give you an example. I might explain okay. it very well. He says um, he did a routine when I first saw him. Uh, um, it was at the Royal Albert Hall. He did a routine about uh, Jewish people when they they get on the plane and they uh, they say I don't they just sit in, they're never happy with the seat. I've got an aisle seat. I don't want to sit in the aisle seat. I got a window seat. I don't want a window seat. Uh, they put me at the back of the plane. I don't want to be at the back of the plane. There, so they put me at the front of the plane. The Jewish people on the plane they're never happy with. And I'm thinking and people are roaring. I'm thinking that's true of anybody yeah sure people generally aren't happy with the seat (laughs) they're given but the Jewish people are sitting it's so funny how does he know us yeah 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 
these Jewish well, people, they, they always think yes. that like you're a cat person or a dog person. What's the fun? The Jewish people, you're waiting for a bus and the bus, bus comes and you get on the bus. What is it with the Jewish people? <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, sure. he does, he does uh, a fair bit of that. Um, in his stuff and, I, and, and uh, so I took that on board use that technique yes you wrote an article for Chortle about uh, game playing comedians I, I'm only mentioning that really I don't know if there's anything else to say about it other than what you wrote in the article because it was masterful I loved it um but uh, I'm kind of I want to mention it because it's available on the Chortle correspondence page, and I think everybody is, is, it is it still up there, is it? Oh, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. I think they do. They catalogue all of them. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but uh, it, what you were describing there is very specifically was when you meet comedians and they play this sort of constant one-upmanship about how. I mean, the classic example is how How are you? Oh, jet lagged. I mean, that's, yes, that's yes. just Which so is a, classic. It's a true story. Yeah, I'm it's, sure it is. I've got probably yes, guess who it, did it. Yes, yes, <laughs> we'll yes, talk yes. about it after this. Um, but uh, do you? What other things do you find comedians doing either socially or on stage that you find frustrating? I hate it when comedians tickle you. <laughs> Particularly like a public place. I don't like an airport. I mean, what do, would you not find that what intensely I'm irritating? At, what I'm getting at, Mark, is you seem very happy. You seem like comedy is working really? for you. Yes. I, you, you know what's very interesting? I, I, hopefully not now, but I used to get on the start of the second, I used to get a lot of people saying, you know, when I first met you, God, you are miserable. You're really <laughs> depressing, and and you and you seem to be angry at me, and it's and it was such a weird sort of. Really, I've got no idea where that came. That's quite a worrying right. sort of trait to have. Maybe I was intense intense thought process about yeah. what I was going to be no, doing I don't know but something. it's very it, it's great that, that I mean there are some comics that lie to Baruma aren't they? when they come in to a dressing room you're just happy uh, yes. their company and those that are very insular and and, 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 sure. and, and blinker and similarly there are like comics that light up a dressing room far too much that you roll your eyes and yes. think oh, stop can performing you, can you light up this dressing room a bit less yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. turn it down <laughs> enough with the halogen what, yeah. what was the so what um, I, I think uh well, I, 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 I bounced things from things that comedians do that irritate you, which is one conversation. I bounced very quickly into, come on, Mark, you, are you really this happy? You've really made it all work for you. You're a shining example no, of how no, to be no, a happy no, comedian. No, really? Yes, oh, I think oh, wow. so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're productive. You make lots of stuff. You're very oh, funny. I, you don't I, seem to be... Is there anything you in You know what? I, I, yes. You know what, Stu? I... I'd be lying if I said there, there aren't frustrations and there aren't why you know the, the the classic why not me watching stuff on TV or breaks that people have and this sure. and it really doesn't get you anywhere and I and I'm I'm saying that and they could very well mm. in, in an hour's time put on something and go what the hell is he doing yeah. it doesn't get you anywhere and I've I, you know I, and there are things that the, I'm not going to cite examples but comedy friends of mine who listen to this will know exactly what I'm talking about there's things that have been on that I've, I've felt like oh, I should have had a chance there Can yeah. I? but there is nothing what can you do the more it's like an open spot pestering a promoter for a, for a gig the more you do it the more irritating you're going to be so you just have to accept it go that's, that's the way it is for whatever reason I haven't got this I haven't mm. got that 
Mm. Um, Particularly, uh, I think, at the moment when, for someone of your experience, when people, it's almost like everyone is still, like everyone's on tour at the moment. And lots of people who've been going, who've been at the top of the circuit, as you've been for a long time, are looking around and going, hang on a minute, this is, you know, this is either the bubble is going to burst soon or whether it does or not, it's all exploding at the moment. Mm. It must be, I, I mean, do you think it's more frustrating now than it was 10 well, years ago? Well, what I was going to say, sorry, I'll answer that, but what I was going to say was, uh, to get over that sort of seething, bitter, uh, <laughs> maniacal um, paranoia uh, is just enjoying, going back to enjoying what I'm doing. So whether mm. we talk about my daughter's learning to read or whatever, I'm trying to find that enjoyment. And I am finding the enjoyment in performing again, which mm. is not knocking out the same old stuff with dead behind the eyes, mm. uh, feel about it but actually really investing a bit of time yeah what is this into, about yeah. what it's about is coming up with a new thing making it funny and enjoying and it and letting the audience know the enjoying yeah. I remember a friend of mine seeing me uh, the uh, now defunct Battersea uh, Jonglers and he saw me two nights and the first night was great the second night wasn't and uh, he wasn't a stand-up he's, uh, he's an accountant I said oh, it's weird that he said he said uh, we well, weren't enjoying yourself up there I said what do you mean he said well it was just you weren't were you I went no not really he said well how can you expect us to enjoy watching you if you're not enjoying it yourself? And I thought, yeah. wow, that really is, that's quite, um, that's quite, uh, well, maybe it's quite obvious, but I thought that was quite a sort of deep thing to sort of, mm. uh, to, 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 to flag up that if you're not enjoying yourself on stage or being seen to be enjoying yourself, we as an audience can't enjoy you. Totally. You can't, you can't enjoy, uh, unless you're playing a character of some miserable shit, you know, but mm. um, some downtrodden, you know, depressive. But even then, there's a, there's an air of enjoyment, isn't there? I think even if you're being a bit negative. So I'm, I'm yeah, like I say. So you say it's great to hear that. Uh, hopefully, more people think that I'm. Uh, well, hey, everything's everything's sunny and light and great. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, the I've got to that point by going forget about the negative stuff. Do what you do. Do it as best that you can, and and, and that's that's all you can that's all you can hope to do. And we're all at different stages. Sure. Um, of you know. Uh, uh, of success on me. I remember um, walking through Crouch End and there was a big film set. Um, I was half a bus in the middle of the road. It was a sort of slightly surreal scene. Um, and I've got my, I've, um, I've, I'm walking on the way to the tube station. And I passed this amazing film set and it was Shaun of the Dead. Simon okay. Pegg was having his makeup okay. done. So, uh, what's this? Are oh, we doing this thing about zombies? I said, all oh, right, all right. He said, yeah, it should be out in the, in the new year and, uh, and, this, and then sort of mid, mid small talk because um, I know him from the circuit yeah. days a mid small talk there um, one of the one of the many crews so Simon can we just have you over here for a minute we're just going to check yeah. the light sorry Mark I'll see you uh, what, what are you doing so you know the, the reciprocal yeah. what so just just off to uh, Portsmouth. Yeah, <laughs> two shows, two shows, yeah. <laughs> and it was that you know s- s- w- yeah. we were from the same world, but suddenly you know you come kind of, why am I why am I bus having me makeup done? You just yeah. do what you do. Because what can you possibly achieve other than meeting up with other comics as as we do? And again, I'm not setting myself up and have a good old bitch and a moan and. Uh, mm. Oh God! How's he doing that? And he was on that as well. And what's mm. what is what what is what is other than feeling uh, a, a bit better about yourself because you know you're not the only one doing yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely yeah, that. there's other people that are bitter and twisted and resentful. Definitely that. Very positive. You know, I, I, I've, I, I, I phone up 
you know, most of the clubs I'll play now, but there, there is a club. I mean, this is just, this in this general scheme of life, this doesn't matter. There, there is a club that um, I'll phone up and, and, and uh, have wanted to do a couple of gigs. Sorry, we, I haven't seen you before. Uh, I'll need to see you. But I've been on the circuit 174 years. What do you mm. mean you haven't? Uh, but I've got to sort of let that go and don't... Mm. So, uh, like you would... Uh, um, I've heard on a couple of the podcasts, being a podcast... Uh, comedian's comedian podcast fan that, uh, a couple of people have said that thing of the one person that annoys you in an audience yes. is the one that doesn't laugh and I suppose the, the, the analogy there is that you know why should I be so pissed off about not doing a particular gig uh, when I'm working everywhere else but there's almost that sort of this sort of desire this need to go to everybody look I should be working everywhere to, yes. just let it go does it matter I've, I've got enough work you know uh, in other places without being fixated mm. about and I think that's that's true what you're talking about is absolutely true just just focusing on what you're enjoying doing the number of comics that we go well I, I, I'd like to do a podcast mm. why can't I you know Stuart's doing it why, why, I know why every, do, everyone's doing a podcast going, now no. Yeah, no, no no but not to the you know not, not, not to the extent um, and the calibre of brilliant comedians uh, <laughs> but do you know what I mean there are there are yes, scales sure. it's, me, it's me seeing Simon Pegg at the bus you yes. know there are different scales of uh, you know um, of success uh, that we, we we strive to want, we, yeah. I want to do this I want to do that but us, it's, it's a difficult thing but it's almost just putting that to one side and just going mm. you know I want to I want to smash the, this gig with my new bit of material yeah um, because that's what it's really that's, about that's and for all of the about. for all of the Simon Pegg I'm sure he is thinking what I really want to do is this joke that I've been working on very hard in this script I really want to sell it really yes. well so when the thing comes out yeah. everyone goes that was the best joke or, you know. I'll give you a good example of, of, of a bit of, of just the reality of the situation I'm um, uh, I, with the impro background and just I've always enjoyed sort of any TV related impro show mm-hmm. there. and would I lie to you is fantastic mm-hmm. and I'm pals with uh, Lee Mack but mm-hmm. would never abuse that friendship in terms mm-hmm. of Lee you know in terms of ne- nepotistic sort of can you uh, mm-hmm. it once came up in conversation because um, my, my wife is good friends with his wife anyway mm-hmm. the, and the kids play and all the rest of it and it was slightly awkward slightly embarrassing because I you know, in, in effect, he's not going to wave a magic wand and say, I'm going to put you on this programme. But what came out of the conversation uh, was he had mentioned and had mentioned various comedian pals of his mm-hmm. to the BBC before who he thinks would be good for that programme. Hopefully I was included in the, <laughs> in the roster. <laughs> the reality is the BBC turn around and go, they're not, I don't know who they are, or mm-hmm. I've heard of them, or yeah, the person that does the circuit, but they're not flavour of the month, they're not on TV they're not doing you know it's the you know um, chicken and egg thing they're not mm. doing this and that and the next so why would I take a chance on them mm. and Lee would go back and say well because they're good and they've done this and mm-hmm. uh, but that's not that's not you know good enough at the moment or that's mm. not what's relevant for whether I'm just pointing the BBC out because that's you know would I lie to you but um, any, I think that's true of a lot of TV programmes that unless you've got that you know, track record on TV. Why take a risk? Why we're yeah. going to use the same people? Of course, we're going to use the same people. So you know that that that's again a, a let it go moment. I'm you know I, I'm mm. uh, you know just keep doing what you're doing and hopefully somewhere at some gig somebody will see you and go actually he'd be quite good on that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I suppose I suppose I'm trying to be in a, uh, my headspace at the moment is just enjoying 
I'm doing lots of gigs that aren't particularly well paid at the moment, but I'm doing them because I want the stage time and I want to be trying out new stuff and new ideas and not be, you know, have this determination. To, I've got to do this by the end of this year, I'll be on this, on that. Because sure. it's realistically not going to happen. Finally, then, in terms of someone who is, uh, you make your bread and butter doing circuit gigs, as do I. Um, do you register? Do you, have you noticed a change? Do you feel that the industry is contracting? Do you feel there are fewer double ups available, fewer midweek gigs available? Are you? Do you have any sense? I think there's sort of the the word on the <laughs> the word on the hypothetical street is that oh crikey, is the bubble going to burst? You know, there's quite a lot of sort of worried. Like there's an awful lot of people starting comedy now. There's a lot more comics. I don't know if I'm doing as many gigs now as I was this time two years ago I think that's certainly true I'm definitely yeah I'm um, I'm so glad you said that because I suddenly thought I was describing this thing and you were going to go no "No, not at all it's just you you're getting worse in fact I've got to cut this chat short I've got a a backlog of phone calls exactly (laughs) I've got another podcast in ten minutes Um, no I I I think the um, I think there's still a fair few gigs around but they're not uh, the double up certainly are not as prevalent as they were and and i think the money doesn't change the payment structure doesn't mm. it, it doesn't reflect move, inflation it hasn't moved particularly and if i if i want to thoroughly depress myself i will look back to my diaries of three or four years ago and see that i was earning um you know uh more than i am mm. now but um whether i'm in you know i'm in i'm enjoying it more um certainly now um and i'm you know earning enough to to, to get by mm-hmm. to feed the kids mm-hmm. um, etc uh, and play poker with my friends uh, and give them all my money yes we have a little comedy poker collective which is quite nice oh god who's yes. in that uh, I, I, I don't oh, want to maybe you shouldn't name them exactly, exactly <laughs> in case their wives uh, Mr producers. White Mr Blue Mr Green yeah. exactly exactly Jeff Green, no. Um, so um, Andy White, I know. <laughs> Josh Blue, he's American. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, Adam Blue. Um, <laughs> no, I. Uh, well, yes, I. I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm. I'm pretty busy with with uh, the work, but I, yeah, it's certainly not expanded. There's not a whole load more sure. uh, comedy clubs than there were. I mean, I don't know if you find that. There's not. You know, there's the same established ones. But I think a lot of clubs open and then close quite yes. quickly when they suddenly they don't, they can't work out why they're not making heaps of money why it's not packed out every week. Mm. Have you ever been to the Edinburgh Festival? I have. When did you last? I went go? in two thousand and four. Was the last time? Okay. I did. A, I think I've done five Edinburgh shows. I did a show about giving up smoking up, giving giving up smoking up. Okay. Uh, it wasn't the snappiest of titles. Yeah, you were addicted called, to smoking up. Yes. It was, uh, it was called Giving Up, Giving Up, which was about giving up smoking. I remember that. I think I the best thing that. about it was the title. Um, <laughs> in the uh, attic in uh, the Pleasance, um, which was very hot and still is apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very hot. Yes. Uh, 2004 was the last time I, I went up, which was a show called Objects. Okay. Which is all about if inanimate objects could talk, what they would say. And it was autobiographical. So okay. I became these different objects. And I'm a big fan of, if no more stand up, I like doing characters and voices yes, and accents. Yes, yes. So that allowed me to crowbar in every accent and uh, character. <laughs> and so it was, you know, uh, it was autobiographical and it was great fun to do. And then uh, Radio 4. Uh, gave me the chance to do it as a Radio 4 thing, which was great, but a real challenge because it was, a, it was very visual. Yes, uh, okay. 
Um, so I had to sort of rethink the whole structure of it to do it for radio, which was, I love that, that again, the discipline of having to write something that is a visual thing, but make it work on radio. So that was, that was great fun to do. But yes, would you, was, would you go up again? Is um, you, I mean, what do you think, what do you see as the, the value of the Edinburgh Festival? Have you like, I think the joy of doing an hour show, if you're enjoying the show for that consistently in really honing it and developing it for, for that period of time, um, three or four weeks or whatever however long you're doing it, mm. it is, is a good thing but I I found it hard I have to be honest I found it hard and I found it hard because I I, I wasn't um, in the flurry of new newer names and I'm keep harping mm. on about this but the, the reality was whether I had good PR behind me I had um, you know that I did the whole things that you need to do posters and, yeah, and yeah. what have you and, I, and I, because I was up against a lot of other you know, really good uh, acts and shows. It was. Uh, it wasn't. It was. It was well received. I got the repeat the re- returning journeys of the uh, Perrier panel and, and the like. But okay. um, uh, the couple. I think it was two reviews I got, and a, a couple of smaller bits and pieces. But the t- both reviews said. One actually said sadly overlooked, and someone else said yeah. a variation on that theme. Yeah. Why? Why haven't more people seen this? And there were sure. two four-star reviews, and that was almost more depressing. Yes, <laughs> You're talking about happy moment. Here's sad and depressed moment. Um, I was very, very low and very depressed about mm. that because I thought I put so much work into this. I'd, yeah, I'd, it was a whole, you know, there was a whole showbiz. Um, I'd had costumes made for each of these characters. I had a, a original sort of music written, which I had on a CD. That um, do you remember the days of CDs? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> you, the youth of today. So, and it, yeah, like I say, I put a lot of time and effort into the thing. So the vindication was having it picked up by Radio Four, and when I came back, I did a little run. Uh, okay. of the show at the Soho which was which so I suddenly felt great yes it's get it's getting a bit of attention I felt it deserved in Edinburgh but didn't but like I say both reviews reflected this why another why is hold on a minute why, mm. why, why aren't people looking at this it's really mm. good well I mean I don't know what you can do um, in those situations other than just sort of knuckling down and, and just doing the show mm. um, and it wasn't it wasn't stand up it was more sort of you know comedy drama okay. as a piece uh, okay. rather than stand-up so uh, would I go back again I, yeah I probably would I probably would go back but I think it's so important I mean you've been more recently than I yes. have but I think it's it's almost more more important to have the whole publicity machine behind you the time with the venue where you are what kind of mm. I mean I went up I did a charity thing this year just as a one-off thing for a friend of mine um and I saw these the posters. I had no, I had no idea that they're actually the size the sizes of the sides of houses. It's incredible. I mean, um, uh, enormous a bus side of uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just a regular yeah. poster. Some of yeah. whom I have to say I'd never heard of before. But I thought, my God, this is the, the yeah. A lot of apparently are... about three and a half thousand pound per yeah. poster. So people are ploughing in. You must be looking in terms of twenty, thirty thousand pounds. Yeah. Um, I think often if someone is releasing a DVD that year, then they roll into the DVD promotion budget. Right. They roll in the Edinburgh budget okay. into okay. that. So because it's... Oh, okay. So the, the, presumably that's been... That's the right. money for the DVD promotion. Yeah. They're doing that, which, which is... That's one way of doing it. But it, it kind of... Uh, it seems impossible to compete with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I and think it just doesn't seem like it's fringe anymore, which is fine. I mean, you know, there's, there's room for... 
doing thousand seats of venues every night and all, all the rest of it but maybe that could be done at a different time well, what, to the what, 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 I'd be interested to know why. what's the argument against that? you've got a really good solid hour doing finding a nice venue mm. the hen and chickens or wherever a nice sort of you know not not one of the big all singing or dancing western and doing it here for a month what, yeah. what, what's the especially argument against that especially if you threw the equivalent money at it because yeah well exactly mm. and you've got you've got the hopefully the attention of the press and and, and, and punters that, that, that you are fighting for up there well that's it would you would you would you have that if you can if you can kind of blag it and get the Independent and the Guardian and someone else in on the strength of an Edinburgh show would those papers come and see you in Camden I yeah. don't know I don't know but it's a it's an expensive uh, gamble yes yeah yeah no I'd I'd like to do it again if somebody else paid for everything <laughs> And I didn't have to worry. And, and brought in cardboard cutouts of an audience. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, like all these fairground things. You could just throw tennis balls so they weren't smiling. And oh, perfectly edged faces. That would be lovely. There we go. Concept for a show. <laughs> Edinburgh High Concept. Yes. No audience allowed. Yeah, exactly. You could take, it's sold out every night, but with cardboard cutouts. So. <laughs> sold out. Yes. That will do us. Thank you very much, Mark. I can see, I can hear in the background, uh, your baby has returned home. Uh, presumably with a parent rather than yes. just on her own. Oh, she's very independent. I'd, I'd very much like she's to go She's one year, two months and her. very, very, uh, <laughs> very independent. Lovely job. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Mark, a fantastic chat. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Next week we have Sam Wills, known to many of you as the boy with tape on his face. He's going to be removing the tape uh, for a a genuinely fascinating conversation about how he makes his material. I I think that's going to become a firm favourite, that podcast. Um, And uh, that was one of the ones recorded live at the Gilded Balloon at this year's Edinburgh Festival. So Sam Wills next week. uh, And all this week, this is just a little recommendation of mine. One of the best shows I saw at Edinburgh this year was uh, Dr Brown. Uh, and I'm actually uh, very excited to be doing his clowning course later this month he's at Soho Theatre all week possibly all fortnight I'm not quite sure Um, but it's called something like so just search Dr Brown at Soho Theatre I cannot recommend that show enough I I think it's really mind expanding and very very funny Thank you to everybody. Thanks to Two Entertain for their support. Thanks to my guest this week, Mark Mayer. Thanks to Graham Crockford, Asher Trelevin and Tom Wateracre. As always, I've been Stuart Goldsmith. I'll speak to you soon. Can you tell I recorded all of that in a hurry? I'm late for a gig. Ah! 